You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn to Romans 13 is where we're going to be. Romans 13. And we kicked it off last week in Romans 13, looking at God and government, that we are to be submissive, we're to be able to understand and obey the laws and all that's happening, and government's to be a servant of God. And when we can't follow the government because it's contradictory to God, we follow God is what we do, but we make our voice known, we vote, we peacefully protest, we make our thoughts known, we speak out, all of those sort of things. But we are grateful to be an American. We're grateful to be in the country that we're in. Paul wrote that under Nero's rule. And so if you didn't hear that message last week, it was a good message you need to listen to on God and government. And now Paul's gonna continue and he's gonna say, I wanna keep talking to you about this thing of love, of how you can shine with Christ, not just shining with Christ with the government, but shining with, the, with Christ as you interact with other individuals. And I'm calling this message old clothes and new clothes. Now, I bet if we were to go around the room, we were saying, who needs to clean out the closet? I bet we'd have a lot of hands that go up. And I know some of you ladies are like, I'd like to just flip my closet and just get all new and let that be. That's not the point of the message today. Talk with your husband before you do that, okay? But to be able to throw some old clothes out, to get some new clothes in, we all understand that. And what's gonna happen here is Paul's gonna show us there's some things we need to throw out some things we need to get rid of. And there's Jesus that we need to put on so that when we walk into things as a citizen, we walk into life at our office or our school or our workplace, our neighborhood, wherever we are, we walk in and we're clothed with Christ and we shine with Jesus. Now we're gonna jump in in verse eight through 10 and then we'll make it all the way to 14, but let's look at verses eight through 10. Don't owe anyone anything except to love one another for the love, for, excuse me, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covenant, and any other commandment are summed up by this commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love therefore is the fulfillment of the law. Here's the first thing that Paul gets to. Believers are commanded to love. Believers are commanded to love. Now, I want to quickly show you that if we just read the passage, love is not disconnected from the obedience to the commandments of God. It actually fulfills the commandments of God because there's a lot of talk nowadays that, you know, just love, but don't obey God and don't do anything God wants, just love. Well, if you really love it, saying, Paul's saying, then you're going to obey God. You're going to fulfill the commandments. If I really love my wife, then adultery is not going to be a part of our marriage. If I really love my friend, then I'm not going to covet. I'm going to celebrate when they get something good in their life. If I really love someone, then I'm not going to murder them. I'm not going to murder them with my anger, my thoughts even. And so there's going to be love that comes. So Paul says, I want you, first and foremost, I want you to love. And when you love, you're going to fulfill the law. And fulfilling the law is an amazing, amazing thing. Now, there's a verse, verse eight, that's a bit controversial. Don't owe anyone anything except to love one another for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Folks have taken this to be a financial verse that you should not be in any debt. Now, Charles Spurgeon believed that, great preacher. Hudson Taylor, an amazing missionary to China, believed that as well, that this verse is saying that you cannot be in financial debt. Now, I hate to go against Spurgeon and Hudson Taylor. I won't do that often. 
but I don't see this as a financial verse, okay? There's nothing else in Romans 13 that talks about money in any way, shape, or form. So it's not a financial verse. Now, let me quickly say being out of debt's a great thing, right? Don't get into a bunch of debt. It can, it can just hamstring you and lock you down in ways you want to give, you want to be a part of stuff, but you can't because you got so much debt. So that might be a little sermonette for you in there somewhere. But this verse is not about a financial debt moment. It's about a relational debt moment. See, there's different kinds of debt. Has you, have you ever thought this? They owe me an apology. They owe me an explanation. I owe them an explanation. See, there can be relational debt. And what he says here, I want the only debt between you and another person to be a debt of love, that you have received the love of Jesus Christ. And you know, by receiving God's love, his love compels us so that now when I interact with you, I don't owe you an apology. I don't owe you uh, an explanation. We've settled all that. The only thing I owe you is more love because I want to love you and I want to care for you. And I want you to see Jesus in me. Do you see it? So if you owe somebody an apology this year, you're going to owe them a double apology next year. If you owe them forgiveness, if they owe you forgiveness, then it's going to just grow and grow and grow. And we've all seen that in our hearts and lives. So he says, I want you to take care of all those things in love. And I want you to love and care for folks so that the only interaction, the only debt you have with me is that I'm going to be able to be a person that owes you love. And you owe me love. And now we've got a society that's working together as we're loving and we're caring for one another. Do you see it? Now, financial debt, get out of it as quick as you possibly can. I'm all for it. But that's not what this verse is saying right here. It's talking about relational debt. And he says, when you fulfill the law, or excuse me, when you love, you will fulfill God's law. See, love fulfills God's law. Love fulfills God's law. You wanna know how to keep the 10 commandments? Love. And when you love, you're gonna keep those 10 commandments. Because instead of being jealous of somebody, instead of disrespecting your mom and dad, you're going to love and you're going to care. And that's going to fulfill God's laws. That's a huge statement for Paul to make. Because Paul knows, and I'm going to tell you, that there's 613 laws in the Scripture. 613. Now, we know the top 10, but 613. And if we love, we keep all of those. Think of what it says in Matthew 22 verse 37 and following. Here's what it says. And he said to them, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Love. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We just read that also in Romans. Love your neighbor as yourself. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest thing we could do. We love God with all of our heart, and then we love others as well. St. Augustine put it very famously. He said, love God with everything that you have, and then do what you want. Because here's the deal. If you love the Lord, you're going to want to obey the Lord. If you love Christ with everything that is there, it's going to show in your life and it's going to show in my life. And we're going to love one another well. And so adultery and covetedness and disrespecting parents and putting false idols up and jealousy, all these things, theft, that's not going to take place. Because if I love you, I'm not going to steal from you. If I love you, I'm going to honor you. And so there's a love that happens with that. The laws of God cannot transform the heart. Rather, the laws of God reveal the heart. It's the love of God that transforms the heart. So he says, you want to fulfill the commands. Here's how you fulfill the commands. Now, I don't know if you saw it. Last night, I turned on the TV. I was headed to the final four. And as I cruised along on channel 13, ABC, last night, for four hours, they had the 10 commandments with Charlton Heston on there. Anybody flip through and see that? 
from 1956 on Saturday night on ABC. And I was like, well, these are still a big deal. We're going to get four hours. This is amazing. And then I was like, I cannot take these graphics. I cannot take these graphics. This is from 1956, this acting, I can't take it. I, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I'm going to basketball. And so I go to basketball. I think God was okay with that. But here's the 10 commandments from 1956 being aired in 2023 on ABC for four hours on Saturday night prime time. And I was like, this is still a big deal because we understand if we follow God and we obey him, things go better in life. Things go better in life and we understand that. And so in that moment to just go, wow, that's incredible to be able to see that. But we see that God's law is fulfilled by our love. Our sin towards man is ultimately a lack of love towards man. If I love you, then I'm not gonna sin against you. But if I sin against you, then it's a symbol that I don't really love you. And so the only debt that we need to have is a debt. I don't owe you apology. I don't owe you an explanation, but I do owe you love because Christ's love through me says, I need to love you. That's a command of God that I can love you. It's a debt. It's, I, I need to give you this. I want to give you this. Now, let me give you an illustration that I think hits at the heart of this. Uh, this past weekend, um, which I know you think that was like seven days ago, but for me, my weekends are Friday, Saturday. This Monday morning is what this is for me, okay? Gladly so, but my weekend's over. So this is a big work day and a wonderful one, and I'm glad to do it. But Saturday, yesterday, and Friday, I went to Washington, D.C., arrived there Thursday night, just a couple days ago, got there and was able to be there, World Mission Offering Sunday, to speak yesterday morning at a church plant that we were one of the first churches to give money to Passion City, D.C. church plant, and they celebrated their five-year anniversary yesterday, and it's going great. And that, yeah, let's cheer for that. That's awesome. We want to see God's work in DC. So, wow. And we got to be a part of it. And so I got to speak yesterday morning to their volunteers. I got there a little bit early so I can hang out with their, their pastor, Ben Stewart. It's a good buddy of mine. So I got to go and just kind of see all the sites of DC and it was wonderful. Been there a bunch of times, but it was great. So I went around the tidal basin and I want to show you, particularly ladies, you're going to like this because my wife thought this was the best picture. Here is the cherry blossoms in bloom in DC. I mean, right now, it is gorgeous. I walked that little sidewalk all the way around. They were a gift from Japan in 1911 to our, uh, to our country as a sign of friendship. Um, and then I guess in 1941, they didn't want to be friends anymore. Um, but we still got the trees and they want to be friends again. So all's good, I guess, you know. So here we are and it's gorgeous seeing all these sites, seeing all these monuments. And then I went to the World War II monument when I got there. There were some men that were there, and I want to show you a picture of them, that were some veterans. And I saw them. Yeah, let's cheer for our veterans. And I could see these guys, they were with this thing called Honor Flight, which is really cool. I wasn't familiar with it, where they fly veterans for free to Washington, D.C. so that they can see the monuments and just have a good D.C. time to honor them for their service. So I was sitting there, I was like, this is so cool. I'm at the Washington, or at the um, uh, World War II Memorial, and I'm seeing all these guys gathered together. And so I just thought, I just felt in my heart, I was like, I need to go thank them. That's what I want to do. I have a debt, our point, of gratitude to these men. I owe them a thank you. 
So I walked up and I said, gentlemen, uh, just, just for a second. And so, so these guys all kind of turned and I said, sirs, could, can I just tell you something? And they, they looked at me and I said, I just want to tell you, thank you. Thank you for your service to our country and the freedom that it's provided me and my family. And I just want you to know, I'm grateful for you. And they said, oh, we're, we're so glad you're welcome. Uh, it's our honor. I said, would y'all, can I take a picture with y'all? And I didn't think about till later sharing it with you guys. But I thought, can I take a picture with you guys? Oh, sure, we'd love to take a picture. And the, the gentleman kind of in an angle in the khaki pants, taller gentleman there in the front row in the wheelchair. Yeah, I talked to him the most, had a great conversation with him. And they were so proud to take a picture, you know, and so, so gratitude for the thankfulness. I owe them and you owe them a debt of gratitude, right? Thank you for what you did because we prosper because of it. That is the same type of image Paul is trying to create with us here. That we interact and I owe you love. You owe me love because Jesus Christ has done something in us. So I wanna love you well and I want you to love me well. And now Paul's putting this together. We got the government in the beginning and we got now individuals here and we got a beautiful society that's being connected here in Romans chapter 13. But we don't always do that well, do we? And so we got to realize that practicing love also requires confession, it requires repentance, and it requires forgiveness. I haven't loved perfectly, have you? I've got to confess that to the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry. I've got to repent and say, I don't want to be like that. I'm going to turn from that. And I want you, Lord, to wash me clean in your forgiveness. See, forgiveness is simply a decision to cancel a debt, it's canceling a debt. And so, Lord, I thank you that the debt has been paid through Jesus Christ's death on the cross for me, which we'll celebrate on Good Friday. We'll ponder on, on broken for you. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not self-seeking. It is not rude. It is not arrogant. It does not keep a record of wrongs. 1 Corinthians 13, love hopes and believes in all things. So Paul is giving us a powerful love, not a man be paying me, oh, just love everybody. This is, I want to love because I owe you that because Jesus has paid my debt, so I want to now love you. Do you see it? That makes a difference. And that fulfills the commandments of God. God has commanded us to love. Now, he's going to give us more than just a thought. He's going to give us some legs to this. He's going to give us some action points of this, okay? So here we go. We're going to get some action points because here's your point. Write it down your listening guide. Believers are called to action. Believers are called to action. I'm going to give you three action points that believers are called to. It's going to be found in verse 11 through verse 14. And we're going to see these action points that God is calling us to. Here we go. Verse 11. Besides this, since you know the time, he's talking about the end of time, about Jesus returning. Since you know the time, since you know the time, it's already the hour for you to wake up from sleep because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing, not in drunkenness, not in sexual impurity, not in promiscuity, not in quarreling, not in jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh 
to gratify its desires. He's gonna give us three things. I'm gonna have you repeat them after me in just a second. Here's the first one. We're called to wake up. We're called to wake up. Christ will return. People say, when do you think Jesus is coming back? I don't know, but I can tell you we're a day closer than we were yesterday. He's coming. The time is shorter. Shortened, he's coming. And that's what it means when it says, the night is almost over and the day is almost come. There's lots of deeds of the night that happen on planet earth. There's lots of heartache that happens. There's the night of cancer. There's the night of divorce. There's the night of pain. There's the night of sin. There's the night of betrayal. There's the night of, of hatred and of anger. And he's saying, but the day's coming and the sun's gonna rise and literally S-O-N, and Jesus is gonna return and all that darkness is gonna be gone and there won't even be a sun in heaven because he'll be the blinding and glorious light. Wake up, not from a physical sleep, but from a spiritual sleep. Paul's aware of the times, the days are dark, but Jesus is coming. So I want you to say those two words with me. Ready on the count of three, wake up. One, two, three, wake up. Now, if your neighbor is sleeping in the middle of the sermon, I want you to look at him. We're gonna say it again. One, two, three, wake up. Y'all think I can't see y'all sleeping, but you know, if you can see me, I can see you. That's how this works. You understand how this biomechanics happens? You're like, like, I see you. Wake up. Wake up. Why? Because the time is short. The time is short. We have all of eternity to celebrate what we've done on behalf of Jesus. And we've got these few small days to do something on behalf of Jesus, to realize the time is short and to live with love and with God using us in a great way. Now, last night I told you I was flipping through the stations and I got to uh, 1956, 10 commandments. And I'm like, I know those. So I'm gonna go on to basketball. And so I got to basketball, watching the, the final four, those two games, uh, amazing stuff right here in our very city. Um, and so the first game was particularly exciting, more so exciting than the second game. And so I'm watching the set. The first game goes down to a buzzer beater of Florida Atlantic University against San Diego State University. Didn't know they even existed, right, until this time. And so I'm watching though, and it's coming down and it's back and forth and they're going and they're going. And finally, they're one point down. San Diego State gets the rebound and goes running down the court and is going down court. And everybody's getting hyped because the clock is ticking down. It's like five seconds and they're heading down there. And as they go down there, even Jim Nancy announcer, he's saying, do they know, are they gonna call timeout? Do they know how much time is on the clock? He literally says, their shooters aren't on the floor right now. Are they gonna call timeout? And everybody's like, like they're gonna miss the shot. And the guy goes to the right, he goes to the left, he jumps up and it leaves his hand with about one second left. And you literally see the picture of the red light on the backboard and of the time above the backboard saying 0.5 seconds as the ball is going through and it goes through. Buzzer beater win and I go, yes! Like I care about San Diego State. <laughs> but I love sports, right? How can you not like a buzzer beater? So I went, go Aztecs. First time that's ever left my mouth, ever. <laughs> I don't know the history of the Aztecs. I don't know if I should be cheering for Aztecs. I am not up to date on my, you know, Indian history. I mean, so go Aztecs. But I'm excited about it. And it was 
great, amazing thing. Here's the point. That person, his name was Butler, his last name was Butler. He knew how much time was on the clock. So he took his shot. And he, for the rest of his life, will eat free in San Diego for the rest of his life. <laughs> They'll have a statue of him. I mean, it'll be, he is the dude forever, right? He took his shot. He knew time was short. He knew his shot made a difference. And he knew that if he did not take his shot, they would not win. And he took his shot. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is returning and the clock is going down. Take your shot. Take your shot. God's put you in that workplace for something more than a paycheck. Take your shot. He's got these kids for you to disciple in your home. Take your shot. He's got an envelope in your hands to be able to reach the world for Christ. I don't know. Take your shot. Let God do something. You never know what God can do. And so Paul says, wake up and take your shot. I've wasted years of my life. But then I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I said, God, use the years of my life. Am I perfect with it? Absolutely not. Miss shots all the time. But I want to take them. And I want to go for it. I want to let God use me. Take your shot. Take your shot. Wake up. Jesus is returning, the clock is going down, and the church has a mission, and Jesus has a mission for your life. What if the Lord was to come back today? Would he find you doing your will, doing his will, or doing your will? The second one is this, we're called to clean up. We're called to wake up, but we're also called to clean up. Put off darkness and put on love. We're called to clean up. Look, if you will, in verse 12, it says this, the night is nearly over. That means Jesus is coming. The day is near, so let us, so what are we gonna do? Discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity, not in promiscuity, not in quarreling, not in jealousy. So he says, put off the deeds of darkness, Put those away. Have you ever driven past places that are kind of, they're happening at night and you drive by them in the daytime, you're like, what a dump. Such a terrible, just terrible dump. And then at night, all the lights come out and everything looks, it's fake. It's a perfect illustration of this. Throw out the deeds of darkness and stay in the daytime, stay in the light. All of our moms told us at one point, nothing good happens after midnight. Nobody, nobody's ever said nothing good happened after noon. <laughs> Still 12s, right? Noon, we got a lot of daylight. What's it saying? Nothing good's happening in the dark, in the night. Paul's saying the same thing. So discard the deeds of darkness. Clean up, get your life right with the Lord. Martin Luther King Jr., do, uh, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And so we put on love and we say, we want to walk these things out. And so some of us, you just, we just gotta clean up. If any of these things are, are describing you or yours, clean up. It's never a blessing to be disobedient to God. You love God and he's gonna change the desires of your heart and you're gonna realize you have new desires and it's not for all these things that we just mentioned. And God can clean us up. He can clean us up. Let me give you an illustration of a cleanup here in our very church. There's a staff member of ours named Kevin Spivey, amazing staff member. I was able to take him on his first mission trip. Amazing guy. Well, before he was an amazing guy in the Lord, he got into some trouble with the law and he ended up going to prison. Let me show you his picture. 
That's Kevin in jail. God got a hold of his heart. God started ministering to him through, through prison ministry type of stuff. And God did some great things. He'd sit in the back of the room, way back there. And he would sit back there and God just kept moving and moving and moving in his heart. He would be brought here by uh, work faith connection, by open door mission. And God just doing great things. And God changed his life. His parents never gave up on him. They kept praying for him and God changed his life. Let me show you a picture of Kevin now on our staff. Isn't that great? Amen. So cool. Wonderful wife, two sweet little kids. He was in charge of our baptism day. We baptized 360 people. That was Kevin that was in charge of that. And let me tell you just to the glory of God, because I want you to cheer for this too. Tonight, Kevin's preaching the five o'clock service tonight on my behalf. Isn't that great? God can clean you up. God can do something with you. And not just Kevin, but Abraham was too old. Jacob lied. Joseph was betrayed. Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson got a terrible haircut. (laughs) Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Christ. Martha worried. Zacchaeus was too small. And Paul, who we're reading right now, an author of Romans, was a murderer. You and I are perfect for God to use. He can clean us up. He can clean us up and we can take our shot. Number three, we're called not just to wake up, not just to clean up, but we're called to dress up. Christ's ways become our spiritual practices. Verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh. Jesus, through Paul, is saying, I want you to dress up. I want you to put on, clothe yourself in Christ. And I want you to dress it up a little bit and get ready because I've got something for you to do. And I want you to make a difference. And I just want you to get a bit more dressed up. You notice that what you wear is determining of what you do. Basketball players wear a basketball uniform. Football players wear a football uniform. Baseball players wear a baseball uniform. It shows what they're about to do. It's interesting, baseball is the only sport in which the manager wears the same uniform as the team. I think we need to get some of these basketball coaches in shorts and tank tops and just see what that looks like. Soccer is different. Swimming is different. All it could go down the realm. But he says, I want you to put on, I want you to be different. I want people, when they see what sport you're playing, you're playing the I love Jesus sport. You're taking your spot for God, your shot for God. And I want you to just dress up a notch and just get a little bit more with it. Not that you gotta be formal, that's not what I'm trying to say, but that you're clothed with Christ and you don't give any place to gratify the flesh. Did you notice that earlier it said that put on the armor of light? Why? Because we're in a battlefield. We're in a war. It's a difficult place to live for the Lord. So you put on an armor of God, armor of God. He says, put on Jesus and don't gratify your fleshly longings. Are you kind of getting towards the edge of the pool? You're given provision for gratifying the desires of the flesh. You're not all the way there. You're just giving provision that you could accidentally, oops, I fell in. Chuck Swindoll says it like this in his commentary about this verse. Don't play with fleshly longings. Don't loiter, don't linger, don't hang out with them. Get your hand out of the cookie jar. 
There are many areas of life that can fuel gratification of the flesh. Take another look at the places where you spend time, at what you allow in your home, at what movies and television programs you regularly watch. Take another look at the magazines and the novels that you read and the websites that occupy your attention. Are they enhancing your character? Well, then great. Are they stoking fleshly longings? Are spurning you to plan ways to fulfill wrong desires? Then stop. Don't let it progress any further. He says, I want you to put on Jesus and give no opportunity for the flesh. And if you're giving opportunities, close those doors and you walk to Jesus. Put on Christ. What does that mean? Well, it means to practice Sabbath. It means to practice prayer. It means to fast. It means to have solitude in your life. It means to read scripture. It means to have community. It means to live with simplicity. It means to live with generosity. It means to live with hospitality. It means to practice obedience. It means, Romans 13, to love is what it means. So that we share and shine with Jesus Christ and we love. So on this World Mission Sunday, we don't just love ourselves. We love our neighbors as ourselves. You've heard the gospel today. Jesus has died for your sins. You can receive him as your savior. Some have never heard the gospel and we have the opportunity to make that difference in their lives today. By giving, yes, but some of you, God might be calling you to go, to be a full-time Christian missionary. If that's it, take your shot and watch what God can do. I remember the first real mission trip I ever went on. I went to East Asia. I was with two other ministers and we were in the back of a taxi the three of us in this little taxi in the back seat and we were driving there's a lot of traffic and so we got this traffic jam and there we were I've shared this story before but it's a mark in my life it's a it's literally a line of demarcation in my life and there was this girl out the right hand window and I was sitting in the right hand seat and she was jumping over like this piece of concrete, kind of like you'd park your car against, but it wasn't really that. It was just kind of that sort of thing. She was jumping over back and forth, playing a little game. And it was at nighttime. And I was like, I don't know if like 11-year-old girl, you should be out at night like this. You know, you should be at home. But she was jumping back and forth. And she had orange pants. I'll never forget, orange pants. And I sat there and I thought, we got three seminary degrees. We got all sorts of spiritual gifts speaking stuff happening in this car. We've all spoken to a bunch of people and none of us can share Christ with this young lady. We just sit in the car and look. And I know she needs Christ because the percentage of believers there is nothing. And I sat there and I looked at her and I thought, who's gonna reach the girl in the orange pants? I can't do it. I could smile and wave out the window, but we need people that go into cultures and learn the language and the names of the folks and really build those relationships in order to build a relationship to be able to say, not girl with orange pants, but to call her by her name. And so I left that place with a real heart for missions, real heart for missions. And I decided I was gonna pray about it. I prayed, I felt like the Lord you know, had me still here in the States, but I thought, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna try to give or go to every country on planet earth. So anytime I would hear any missionary from any other country, this was my Bible in that time, that season, I'd say, I'd look in the front of my Bible. I'd have written down countries that I'd given to, given money to, for people to go. I thought, oh, I hadn't given to that one. And I'd, I'd give money to that person. I'd write it down. Let me show you a picture of the Bible that I'm holding right here in my hand. 
just made those notes. China, Venezuela, Costa Rica, Ireland, yeah, Ireland. I think I said Iceland last service, but Ireland. Um, if you're going to Iceland, I'll give you 50 bucks. So, um, but uh, Guatemala, Russia, Holland, Bangladesh, Uzbekistan, Cuba, Spain, Egypt, India, Puerto Rico, England. And so I was like, just, just write down, write down. And then all of a sudden it hit me. It was like this epiphany. Wait a minute. I don't have to figure out how to give to every country in the world or go to every country in the world. I'm a part of something bigger called the International Mission Board. And if I give to the International Mission Board, they give to every country in the world. They train missionaries. They send them out. I know their theology. I know their practice. I know how they train. I know what they do. I know their heart. And so all I got to do, I don't have to keep a big list in my Bible. I just give to them and that then takes it to the world. And so when we give to the World Mission Offering, we're giving to the International Mission Board, the world. We're giving to the North American Mission Board, uh, which is our country. We're giving to the Southern Baptist of Texas as well to our state. Now the lion's share is International Mission Board. And we'll show you a little pie graph here. Mission Board and International Mission Board and North American Mission Board. And so we're saying we get the opportunity to reach the girl in the orange pants right here from Houston, Texas. Wow. What a privilege. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.